Welcome into the Card Chronicle podcast. It is Wednesday, for the 11th, even if it doesn't feel like it outside. Mike Rutherford here in Louisville, Kentucky. Danny Sennard in Columbus, Ohio. And Dan, it happened. Uh, I We visited the Sennards this past weekend. I made it to Columbus, which is something I said I would never do when you first told me that you were moving. Because, I, I, you know, when friends move away from me, I don't like it. I think everybody should live in Louisville forever because Louisville rules and for having friends is cool. But you moved. We visited has the house recovered yet? It's slowly recovering. I, I will have to say uh, this morning when my wife walked out the door, I told her I was doing a pod. And, and Kim goes, I'm really nervous what Mike is going to say about Columbus on the pod today. <laughs> and I was like, I think he had a good time. Um, but I mean, I, I think she knows you. And even if you had a good time, you'll you'll still find one or two things to, to nitpick at. But didn't see Jim Trestle once. Did not. Uh, <laughs> never got to meet Jim Trestle. Craig Trestle wasn't around. Scooney Penn wasn't there. I don't even know why the fuck we came. Goddamn pandemic. Nobody's out. <laughs> um, but no, it, it was it was it was a fun weekend. It's weird because I mean, whatever. Me and you have known each other since we were 10, 11 years old, and how many times we've hung out, whether it's you know at school, golf trips, parties, you know whatnot. So. It's always us kind of, you know, doing our own thing. But this weekend, um, kind of for the first time, we, we got to put the dad hats on together and, our, our, you know, watch our kids play together. So not to be like, you know, corny, but uh, it was it was a little kind of different hang than we're used to. But um, I know we had a good time and I think the wives had a really good time as well. Yeah, we know. We, we, st- we still managed to do some non-dad stuff, too, which was good. Uh, we lost a billion dollars on Breeders' Cup betting, which is... Uh, God. That has not changed over the years. So that was that was fun. No, it was, we, we had a blast. The weather was great. Um, Columbus, I ha- will begrudgingly admit, uh, had some cool parks that we got to go to. And uh, it was fun to, to just be around the kids. And you're right. I mean, my daughter like virginia is kind of in the middle of, of the kids that were there so it was a little bit of an interesting thing for her. you and our other buddy kircher who came all of you all, you both have three kids they're all kind of around the same ages like around six and four and then you've got the two little babies so virginia was kind of in the middle of all those kids but it was so cu- cool to see them being like kind of protective of her when she was running around and doing stuff so now we had a blast and um we got home on sunday at like 3 30 and there was this whole very real moment of like, what the fuck do we do with this kid now for four hours until she goes to sleep? Because like all weekend, we're just like letting her run around with uh, with, with your kids and getting all that energy out. And she was just pooped out uh, every time she got done playing. And now it's like, shit, we got to entertain her again. But no, we had, a, we had a blast. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. I mean, to I've, you know, met Virginia a couple of times when she was really young, but uh, you know, to get to spend some some quality time up close and personal for two days. I mean, not only is she like cute as ever, but she is like absolutely hilarious. She's just like a a total ham. She smiles all the time. Um, you you can tell that uh the charisma on that kid is is gonna be <laughs> off the charts here when she grows up. She definitely made an imprint on Columbus. Uh, <laughs> still talking about her forever. But we we've got Louisville sports stuff to talk about today. Um, it, kind of a weird spot for Louisville Athletics right now um, because the football season is going in kind of a, a strange place. It's obviously not going the way any of us wanted it to, wins-loss-wise, and now you've got the, uh, the the COVID striking the team, postponing last week's game, playing this week's game. Um, it's just kind of a, a weird thing. And now you've got the basketball team, two weeks from today, is going to kick off its season with the, uh, the, the Wade Houston tip-off classic, the Louisville bubble event that's going on at the Yum Center. But now they're just flooded with injuries, and people aren't sure how to react to that. So it's a it's a weird spot for U of Athletics. I don't. I'll be perfectly honest. I don't know what to say about football at this point. Like we kind of mentioned this on last week's pod, but they are what they are. You, you know, any shots of having an overwhelmingly successful season are kind of out the window, and it sort of feels like people are more okay with that than they would be ordinarily just because this was never going to be a normal season and because you know now they've got all these guys who have been dealing with covid or the contact tracing stuff and it's just i mean you're seeing across the country teams are struggling to complete their seasons games are being canceled everywhere and it kind of makes it hard to be i guess that overly upset about this team being two and five or conversely that excited for this weekend's game at Virginia, even though um, definitely excited to see the team back out there. But still, it's just 
it's a weird thing to try and analyze right now when <laughs> how do you analyze a season where like all like, like teams are playing one game and having to sit out teams are playing eight games but um you know they're not in a conference it's just it, it's all so bizarre but uh cards will play at virginia 3 30 uh, ACC Network on Saturday. We'll talk more about that with Keith Wynn in the preview pod on Friday. But just overall with football, I, I don't I don't know what to say. I'm kind of where I am. Yeah. And for me, I've kind of transitioned from like where you at. Like I have, you know, I don't really have anything to say. I'm kind of just blah about the whole thing to where I'm starting to get angry again because of the lack of leadership with the NCAA. Just because. What we're seeing across the nation in football, I mean, God knows how many games are canceled due to COVID this week. Um, you know, we don't know how this season's going to play out. Obviously, there's going to be some teams that play, you know, maybe a full schedule and teams that barely play any games. And you can just totally see it from here that this is going to transition right over into basketball and it just feels like the same thing is going to happen with basketball. And I'm like, before it even happens, I'm already starting to get pissed off about it just because, you know, just I'm looking forward to basketball so much. And I just know that we're going to have cases where, you know, teams are going to have to quarantine for two weeks. It's going to be a choppy season and it's going to feel, you know, kind of similar to what we're watching with college football, which doesn't feel like a real season. So, you know, yes, I'm excited just like you to watch him play Saturday. Um, obviously, I, you know, being having the record that we have right now, I would call this season disappointing. But am I like totally losing sleep over it? No, I'm not. Um, but, you know, we still have a chance to, to win out with the games we have remaining on our schedule. But it all just kind of feels like, hey, let's just, you know, improve these last couple games you know, and then head into next season with a little bit momentum. That's, that's, that's kind of, you know, the hat I'm wearing right now. I think the difference with basketball is because the basketball, you're, you're totally right. There are going to be even more canceled games on the basketball side of things. The rules are even more stringent. The NCAA has taken more of a, a heavy hand uh, because, again, the NCAA doesn't really control college football. They leave it in the hands of the conferences. They share all the wealth from the college football playoff. But the NCAA, college basketball – is its cash cow. In in particular, March Madness is its cash cow. 85% of its revenue from any given year comes from the NCAA men's basketball tournament, um, which is becoming, with the new TV rights that are going to go into effect here pretty soon, it's going to, to pass the $1 billion mark. It is quite literally a $1 billion event for the NCAA. So they, of course, are a little bit more involved when it comes to the rulemaking for college basketball. But the rules um, right now are laid out in a way that there are going to be games canceled everywhere because if one player tests positive or one coach tests positive or one whoever tests positive, everybody shuts down for 14 days. And I mean, it's just like, like that's, you're going to see games, just, just teams that are going to only be able to play 10 or 11 games. The difference is the, the majority of conferences in college basketball are going to be sending teams to the NCAA tournament. So really all you need to do is make sure that that conference tournament's played, you crown a champion, they go to the NCAA tournament, because that's really all that the NCAA cares about. And really, it's all that a, a significant chunk of American sports fans care about is having that NCAA tournament get played. So I think you're going to see a scenario where you have a lot of lopsided schedules. You're going to have some teams from conferences that play zero non-conference games. I saw the Patriot League came out with their scheduling plan and it's a small conference, but they're not even having all of their teams play every opponent. They're having teams play the, the, the schools that are the closest to them geographically three, four, five times. Like that's uh, I saw Boston U and Hartford are going to play, I think, six games this year or something. And you're going to see quirky little schedules like that that won't really matter all that much because a lot of these leagues are one-bid league where whoever wins the tournament is all that matters anyway. And I think you're going to see those leagues send one team. You're going to see... I mean, just impossible task for the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee comparing the resume of like a bubble team that's, you know, 14 and 12 from major conference versus one that's like 11 and one from a, a mid-major conference and, and how they deal with all that. I don't know. I think you're going to see a just very, very large amount of these bubble teams, the at-large bids go to the major conferences even more than usual because you just kind of are going to have to default to that. So I think college basketball can still get to its end point more easily than college football can. Because right now, look at these playoff projections. You've got some people who have 
you know, 8-0 BYU in and then 1-0 Oregon in because Oregon's going to play like six games and not play anybody, but they're probably not going to lose. It's just, uh, I feel like it's going to be easier to do for college basketball, even though there are going to be more cancellations and you've got more teams because all that really matters is this gigantic tournament. But with football, man, they, they it seems like the sport's limping to the finish line there. Yeah, and I do agree with you on that point. Like the end game for college basketball is, you know, just the March Madness tournament. Like just get there, um, and there, there's probably easy, easier ways to to kind of evaluate getting that many teams in versus, you know, in college football just choosing four teams when there's, a, you know, X amount of games played versus another team with X amount of games played. But, I mean, the tournament was canceled in March, and we've had all the way until October. We've had seven months to to come up with some sort of plan. And I mean, we're a couple weeks before and there there's teams, obviously, you know, stuff's out of their hand with, with COVID, but, you know, they're canceling their bubbles. And it just seems like just such a shit show right now when yeah. I feel like there could have been a more firm plan in place. But I don't know. That's kind of my rant, um, you know, for Got the you. day. But that, that doesn't mean I'm not excited for the season because I totally am. For sure. And the season's going to tip off, not just for Louisville, but for uh, everybody across the country on November 25th, which is uh, two weeks from today. Louisville, I mean, let's just go ahead and talk about the the big issue pertaining to the team right now, which is everybody's fucking hurt. Um, and it kind of feels like we avoided this. I know that we, you know, we made light of this fact a couple of weeks ago, talking about every college basketball fan or really every sports fan feels like their team suffers an inordinate amount of injuries compared to the rest of the country or the rest of the league or the rest of the whatever. Um, But with Louisville, we've actually been okay the last couple of years. I know Malik Williams had his injury to start last season. Uh, In Chris Mack's first year, it felt like we dealt with no injuries. David Padgett's year, it felt like we more or less escaped injuries. This is kind of a throwback to the Rick Pitino era where, you know, you got those stories being written about by CL Brown about, are they practicing too hard? Remember he quoted Larry O'Bannon, who said, like, you know, I could hardly dunk by the time the season rolled around because my legs were so tired. And then Rick just, like, fucking railed on him at, at the press conference <laughs> today. Like, it feels like we're kind of a, a throwback to that because we've got Malik Williams now is going to miss the first, I mean, pretty much, what, three months of the season. He's out for 12 weeks at least uh, with a, another right foot injury. Charles Minlin, we found out a couple of days ago, is going to be out for six weeks because of a sprained MCL. Josh Nickelberry is dealing with injuries that I, I, I'm told are pretty significant. Uh, Samuel Williamson is still being uh, kept out of practice. Uh, at least he was at the beginning of this week uh, because of various injuries. And, I mean, those are three guys that I I, I would have expected to start. Certainly, Williamson and Malik Williams were both going to start. I think Charles Menlin would have competed for the starting spot at the four. And Josh Nickelberry um, was going to get big-time minutes of the two. Still will at some point this season. But it's... It's I, I, I'm with you. I'm really, really excited about the start of the season. But the, these guys just kind of have to survive these first few weeks now because it is a it's a tough non-conference schedule. We talked about that last pod. And man, like depth is not as much of a luxury with this squad as it has been certainly last year. And, and I would even go back to like the late Patino years and even the David Padgett year. I, some guys are really going to have to step up. Carly Jones is going to have to be as good as advertised. David Johnson's sophomore leap is going to have to be as significant as we all hope it is. And then some guys that, that we're really not talking a whole lot about are going to have to be much, much better than than we're giving them credit for if this team is going to survive the first, I don't know, month and a half of the season. God damn it. I mean, is this <laughs> it, this is just the absolute – I mean, I think I said two weeks ago on the pod, like, they're like, what's the key to U of L? I said we need to bubble wrap Malik and make sure he's healthy, just because I don't know how much depth we have behind him. And it's like God was listening in on the podcast and was like, "Hey, 2020 is not bad enough. Let's go ahead and put him on the shelf for three months." I mean, just an absolute, just kick in the nuts, really. I mean, with him and Midland, and you know, hopefully, uh, again, I, I don't know what the word is on on Nickelberry or, or Sam, but. I mean, that's just a huge blow. I don't know. There's really no else of, uh, other way to put it. I mean, at this point, we're just guessing, you know, what this team is going to look like. A- anyone that, you know, thinks they know how Louisville is going to project this season is is totally guessing because we don't know how much some of these guys have improved. There's going to be guys playing significant minutes um, for us that, that obviously haven't. You know, guys like 
probably Quinn Slazinski and Aiden Agehan are, are probably going to have to step up, um, you know, and, and play a significant role on this team for the time being. And I'm not saying they can't. I just have no idea. I mean, from what we saw last year, it looks like they have, you know, a long way to go. But a lot of times biggest improvement comes from freshman to sophomore year. Um, so you never know. But there's no other way to put it. I mean, the Malik loss is just huge. Uh, I, I'm just totally bummed about that. I'm bummed for him. Um, I, I, I know he was probably looking forward to this season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Chris Mack's not going to make excuses. Uh, but it, it's obviously going to be tough sledding going forward, you know, through this first half of the season. It, I mean, it, it really is. And it, it does kind of change my expectations for the first, I'll, I'll say, I don't know, month of the year. I, I hope that we don't get too de- – I, I think you have to hope that you get guys' experience. They get better. They learn, but not at the expense of wins and losses. I mean, it, like Jalen Withers is going to have to play a big-time role, even bigger than we were all anticipating. Aiden Nagehan, I mean, now maybe is your starting center. And we saw last year that he was not – I mean, he wasn't ready at all for big-time minutes. So, like, can those guys get better while we're still beating, you know, Southern Illinois? And, and hopefully – you know, giving Seton Hall, beating Seton Hall in that second game. And uh, I think if this team can make it through that, those seven non-conference games with a, I mean, I don't know, four and three record, I feel like that would be nothing to celebrate over. But I mean, Wisconsin's preseason number seven, Kentucky is preseason number 10. And then you've got, I think, three teams in Western Kentucky, UNC Greensboro and Seton Hall that are all probably going to be in the NCAA tournament. I know that, that those wins wouldn't be anything to really hang your hat on from a resume standpoint. But still, if you can win two or three, you feel pretty good about it. If you can win those three, then I, I think you're feeling pretty good. The other thing, we found out the ACC schedule this week, it, it came out in full. So we know those two games in December that Louisville's going to have to play between the Wisconsin game and between the Kentucky game. And it's not as bad as it could be. They're going to play NC State and Pitt. So I, I was worried that those were going to be like, Florida State and, and North Carolina or something along those lines where you were going to be really challenged without your full roster. And it's a good thing for Louisville. I think that the the toughest stretch of their conference schedule is going to come in February and early March. They play uh, Virginia to end the season again. I don't know why the fuck we have to do that every year with the, the senior day either here or in Charlottesville. It feels cruel and unusual, but uh, we're playing them twice again, as we always do. We played Duke twice this year. Um, but that the, the real tough stretch of the conference schedule, the toughest stretch, I think, comes in mid to late February and then early March to end the regular season. So that's when Louisville should theoretically be at its strongest. So uh, here's hoping. But, yeah, these injuries are uh, – you could, I, I think, handle one or maybe even two of them. But all of these guys, it, it's just – it's a thin roster now that's um, it's going to be put to the test pretty early on. We did get today – I say today. We're recording this on Wednesday. We found out the ACC – uh, preseason projections according to the media poll and the all ACC teams, all those individual honors and accolades came out today. Louisville uh, picked where I think most networks that do these types of previews have had them picked, which is fifth uh, behind Virginia, who's in first, Duke, Florida State, and North Carolina. It seems like everybody who kind of does the tier things with the ACC has said those five teams are, are, are tier one or tier one, tier two, whatever you have. And then there's a pretty significant drop off after Louisville. I'm not sure if those ex- those expectations or those opinions changed now that Louisville's dealing with so many injuries. But I'm fine with Louisville being at number five. I, I don't really have any significant beef with anybody who's above them or feel really strongly about anybody who's below them. Are you more or less on the same page? At this point, to be honest, with, with the injuries we got going on, um, I, I would actually be thrilled if we finish fifth. Um, yeah. And, and I'm not, that's not to downplay like who's left on our roster or anything like that. I just uh, am so uncertain going into the season. Um, you know, I, I think five is, is looking at it right now from a, a glass half full standpoint without the, with, you know, especially Malik and, and Charles Menlin and who knows how long Sam's going to be out. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really have too many qualms with the teams above us, but uh, again, if we finish fifth, I would say I would be very happy with that because obviously, you know, that's going to ensure us probably an NCAA berth for sure. Um, and right now with, with all these injuries, I hate to say that's the goal, but that really is the goal right now. No, I'm with you. I mean, I mean, I think that the, if you finish fifth in the conference and you're playing well and everybody's healthy come 
you know, late February, early March, then I think you feel good about your chances to make a run in the ACC tournament and then hopefully make a run in the NCAA tournament. And right now with so much stacked against you. And I mean, think about, we're talking about Malik Williams coming back in February and Charles Menland coming back in, in late December. Remember David Johnson came back in late December last year. He had the, the breakout game against Duke in January, but still people kind of always pointed to that, the, the slow start and the, you know, not being able to, to, practice in November and, and to get that experience in November, December as kind of hampering his freshman season. All of those guys who are, who are out right now, or at least the two big guys who are out right now, they're in that same boat. I mean, it's going to take a while for Malik Williams to get back into playing form, even if he does get back earlier than expected, say late January, early February. I mean, he may not be like, like the 2020 uh, February Malik Williams when 2021 March rolls around. He may not be back into that form. There's just no guarantees here. It, it is a, it's a yeah. brutal stretch of news for the past couple of weeks here for Louisville. But um, the, as far as the all-ACC teams, David Johnson, the only Cardinal to make the first or the second team. He was the leading vote-getter on the second team. Um, he finished just behind the, the, the first team, which was Garrison Brooks from North Carolina, Sam Hauser from Virginia, Scotty Barnes from Florida State, Jalen Johnson from Duke. And then Amir Sims and uh, Tiny Chris Likes both tied with 50 points. So the six players on the first team, David Johnson uh, on the second team, uh, along with Jose Alvarado, the Georgia Tech point guard, MJ Walker from FSU, Kia Clark from Virginia, and Wendell Moore from Duke. Um, surprise at all that we don't ha- that we have some David Johnson love, but we don't have any Carly Jones love. Um, I don't I don't want to say I'm surprised. Uh, you know, just because he. He's a grad transfer coming from another program. I don't know. I just feel like maybe that stigma is on him a little bit. Like, I don't know. Maybe the writers think that he would have to earn his way on instead of, you know, someone come up coming from a program like Radford just be just to be stuck on one of those three teams. Let's um, put it this way. Let me ask you this, because I, I feel like on all these teams, all these preseason lists and stuff like David Johnson's the Louisville player getting love. The word from the Louisville camp for, I mean, really the last two months has been Carly Jones is our guy. He's the best player on the team. He's had the golden jersey quite literally all four weeks that we've had practice for being the best practice player. Who do you think Louisville's best player is this season? Oh, man. Um, I th- I honestly, God, that's, it's really, I mean, I would say it's probably going to be obviously between those two. Um I think our season would be more successful if it's David Johnson. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it sounds, I mean, just from the sound of it, I, again, without watching Carlick actually play in person or anything like that, uh, you know, I'm just guessing, but I would probably say at this point, just from what we heard, it's going to be Carlick Jones. Um, but I would be thrilled if it was David Johnson, because I think as far as potential, and what he can do for this team from a creative standpoint, scoring, you know, defense, passing. Uh, I think if he was to take over and become our best player, I think that gives our team a little bit of higher ceiling. But, you know, I hear all those things about Carlick Jones as well. So I'm not downplaying him, you know, in any form. But uh, I'll say right now it's probably going to be Carlick. Um, but I would be thrilled if it was David Johnson. I think it's going to be Carlick Jones, too. I mean, I've learned over the years to when you hear from a camp that this guy's killing it in practice, this guy's been the best player. More times than not, that guy winds up being the best player once the actual season rolls around. So um, I think David Johnson clearly more talented naturally. He's got better long-term prospects as an NBA player. But I think for this season, I think Carlick Jones is going to be your leading scorer. I think he's going to be your best overall player. And here's hoping that's good enough to, to translate to being a top tier team in the ACC and being able to compete for, you know, a second weekend adv- advance in the NCAA tournament. Can, can we guess? Can we guess the opening night lineup? Uh, sure. All right. I think they're gonna. Oh, man, I don't know. I, 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 I can't decide if they're gonna go small and play play Jalen um, as, as their big guy, or if they're gonna go with Aiden. I'll say it's gonna be. Um, David Johnson, Carlick Jones, um, man, this is tough. Uh, I'll say Quinn Slazinski. I'll say, 
I'm hoping Sam Williamson's back. I'll say Sam, and then I'll say uh, Jalen Withers. I think if if Sam's back, I'm going to say it's um, Carly Jones, David Johnson, Sam Williamson. I'll say Jalen Withers and Aiden Gahan. Um just from kind of what I've I've heard from people who've been at practice. And I'll say this from people who've been at practice, both media members, not just Jeff Greer, uh, from media members and general fans that I've talked to. I mean, they've all, it, it, it gives me no joy to say this, but they've all kind of been like, Ugh, like this is going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough early on. It doesn't look like the usual talent level that you see at Louisville. Um, I have heard the, the buzz about Jalen Withers, I think, is legit. I think that he's going to surprise a lot of people since he redshirted last year. I think he's going to be good. Um, but besides that, you've got to find some guys that are going to be able to play over their heads or some guys that can effectively hide a little bit. So I don't know. If Sam's out, I think you see a lineup of Johnson, Jones, uh, Quinn Slezinski at the three, and then Withers and Agahan. I think they really want to have a quote-unquote traditional big they're not opposed to Jalen Withers at the five, but I think they'd rather have Aiden Gay on there. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I don't if, know. if there's one kind of silver lining to this, we're probably going to have to thrust um, JJ Trainer and and Dre Davis in the end of the lineup, and probably they're probably going to get more minutes than than maybe they would have. And I I love that. I, I I'm a big like the more experience you get, the better off it is down the line kind of guy. So um, I'm looking for I. I you know, I think both of them have some some nice potential. Um, obviously, from like a, a frame standpoint, it seems like both will have to get stronger. Um, obviously, but I'm I'm excited about the potential. You know, just from a what I've heard and b kind of you know what we've seen from from them in high school. With you, and you're right. Getting some minutes with those guys early on will be beneficial down the line. I just don't think that either one. I don't think either one are ready to play big time minutes for a good team that, that's competitive. Uh, I'll say this: if anyone, if either one of those guys are getting like fifteen to twenty, then we're probably fucked. <laughs> like, oh yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. Um, uh, besides our guy Gabe Winister, he should be getting yeah. about thirty-five. I got some Gabe thoughts coming here. We're gonna answer some questions from Twitter. <laughs> one of them is about Gabe, so we'll talk about that in a second. Before we get to those questions from Twitter, I want to remind you guys again that this podcast is sponsored by our friends over at Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, if you haven't checked out their line of the retro Louisville gear, the shirts, the hoodies, the tanks, uh, it's all at homefieldapparel.com. They've got the Duncan Cardlebird wearing shades. They've got a Scott Satterfield shirt. they got all this cool stuff. And you can get all this stuff with 20% off on your first purchase if you use the promo code CARDCHRONICLE when you check out. And it's not just right now that's the big deal that we've got going on, the 20% off with the promo code. But we've got more deals coming up in the next couple of months. Uh, excited for Homefield Apparel to release those. So here keep it locked to the website we'll have all the updates there follow them on social media it's homefield apparel without an e on apparel uh, on twitter and again go to the website for all their new releases homefieldapparel.com and if you do buy you can use the promo code not just on louisville stuff but on any stuff uh use that card chronicle promo code when you check out to save 20 percent on your first purchase uh, all right dan are you ready to answer some questions from twitter let's go uh first one here let's see from Adam Eatons, which walk-on gets the most minutes as a result of the injury bug slash potential COVID-19 diagnosis? This is one of those uh, deals where it really hurts us not being able to watch these guys, um, you know, do the red-white scrimmage or, or play exhibition games because we have no idea really who any of these walk-ons are. Like They're all new, I think, besides Ho- uh, Hogan Orball, uh, who was here last year. You've got um, the kid from Holy Cross. You've got Ashton Miles DeVore from Versailles, Woodford County. You've got, and I thought this was interesting too. I just noticed this when they put the roster out a few weeks ago. Uh, Drew Schultz is a freshman from Rockwall High School uh, where Samuel Williamson went. And I wondered if this was kind of like the, remember the uh, the Russ Smith, Michael Balfour, a.k.a. Dark Slime deal? Dark where, Slime, yeah. Remember Russ was basically like, hey, Rick, put my friend on the team. It's <laughs> like, all right, let's do it. Like, he hasn't played basketball in four years, but he's, all, he's a Louisville Cardinal. He's a national champion. Um, like, I, I wonder Did, if that's I feel like Dark Slime, like, in one game actually got, like, meaningful minutes. I, if I'm, I, I could be wrong, but I was like, is that Dark Slime in the game? But uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I've heard that the um, Brad Colbert, who's from Ohio, was actually uh, – 
a little bit of a player. So maybe him is who I would go to. Sam Bearden, by the way, is the name of the kid from Holy Cross. My apologies to our colleague, Justin Rank, who uh, groomed him at Holy Cross, coached him up, made him everything that he is, turned him into a Louisville Cardinal. Um, but I don't know if any of these guys are, are worthy of getting minutes. Who knows? I don't know. If yeah, I, I would just be I would just be guessing at this point. So uh, I'll I'll go with the Holy Cross kid, but I, I have zero idea. I like that. Uh, the Holy Cross kid, Dan Snard's official. Uh, um, see here, Brent or Eversall. Here we go. Yeah, it's November, so you have to tackle this topic, I guess. What's your favorite Thanksgiving fixing? I'll let you go first. I'm a big stuffing guy. Uh, I could. Uh, like, I'd never eat it at any other time during the year, so it's kind of like a reward um, when Thanksgiving comes around. So I'll go with stuffing. I, I love stuffing. I feel like stuffing, though, is almost like an extension of turkey. Like, it kind of goes with turkey. I, I don't know. I, I, I eat it together. I don't know if anybody else does. I'm big mashed potatoes guy, but mashed potatoes, not Thanksgiving-specific. Um, I'm pretty boring when it comes to Thanksgiving food. I love turkey, love stuffing. Love, uh, love cream corn. Love uh, cranberry sauce has to be just right. You got to get the right kind. Love the canned. If you make it yourself, it's a little bit dicey. But um, if if we're counting stuffing, then I'm gonna parrot you and be boring and say I love stuffing too. So uh, let me ask you this, because you're you're a Lions fan and they play on Thanksgiving every year. They do. Is it always like for you like Lions game ends and then like you guys sit down as soon as like the Lions take their loss? Well, see, it changes now. We, we rotate Thanksgiving with my, uh, with Mary's family and my family. So when we're with my family, we do dinner a little bit later over there. And so I always watch the Lions game here. And then it's like when the Lions game ends, we start getting ready to go over there. Uh, and then we eat, uh, we eat dinner around like 4.30-ish, 4-ish. Uh, which, it's another thing about Thanksgiving. I don't know why we have to eat Thanksgiving dinner at odd times. Like, like why does Thanksgiving dinner happen at 2 p.m. some places? And like, nobody eats Thanksgiving dinner at the time where they ordinarily eat dinner. I don't know how that became a thing, but whatever. Um, but when we do Thanksgiving at my wife's, uh, shockingly, the Lions game is not a high priority. Over <laughs> like, like eating, I've got it like on a little TV, like in the kitchen, so I can kind of like see it out of the corner of my eye. Um, yeah, they're like, they're like, Michael, would you like anything to drink? You're like, damn it, Stafford. That you joke. That that's pretty much happened. Like the like. I think it was four years ago. We won on a last-second field goal, and like we're like eating dinner. And I was like, "Yes!" And like, <laughs> I had to like walk in there to like watch the field goal. Uh, yeah, the, the Lions game is far more prioritized in Rutherford family years than in Bystrick family years. Um, let's see here. Uh, Jonathan Lustig says, "Is Gabe Wiz going to be a first-team or second-team All-American this season?" This is your guy. You are a, Gaze, a Gabe Wisnitzer uh, fanboy. I mean, obviously, I, this is all right. So I, I admit that I do this. I will go back when we get high school recruits and I will watch all their videos and I try to come up with some sort of comp to like a either a college player, or an NBA player. And my comps are so bad. Like, I'll never forget when I saw Malik Williams for the first time. I called him baby Kevin Durant. I was like, well, this kid's Kevin Durant. Like he was making everything from the outside. He was dribbling and dunking on people. Um, but when I watched the game one the other day, I, I texted you. I said, this guy kind of gives me some Dave Padgett vibes. And you immediately, <laughs> you immediately texted me. You go, okay, stop, Dan. <laughs> but like, I, I can't help myself. I'm just trying to come up with some sort of player cop. He looks like he's kind of gritty in the post. He's got a little bit of like a push shot in the lane. Um, again, I'm going off of three minutes of highlights from this kid. So I have no idea, but. Uh, I mean, we talked about it like these are the, the kind of guys that Chris Mack had at Xavier. And you made a good point. Like I said, these are the kind of the guys they had. And you said, yeah, but usually they sit on the bench for two to three years and develop. And then like by the time they're seniors, that's really when, you know, those kind of, you know, centers that he had kind of shine. Um, so Gabe might get thrust in a little bit earlier and take his lumps. But I'm still excited about him. They're good for like two months, the Chris Mack centers. The, the, the prototypical big, white, just weird-looking Chris Mack center at Xavier was good the for like – The Uber driver, yeah. Matt Stanbrook, did you hear that story? They only told that a billion times. But like <laughs> him and like Kenny Freeze, they all kind of like – they sucked when they would play for the first three and a half years. And then like in February and March, they get good out of nowhere. So 
Watch out for Gabe Wisnitzer in the uh, the winner of 2024 because he's coming. Uh, I did. I don't know if you listen to this. Uh, friend of the program. We'll, I'll give him a free plug here. Jeff Greer, our buddy, launched his new podcast on the network that uh, that Jeff Goodman and Rob Doster are doing. Uh, it's called Floyd Street Finest. He actually released a pod today, I believe, with Chris Mack. Um, so you and I are, are are spieling. You can listen to Greer talk to Chris Mack or listen to us talk about our Columbus trip. It's your choice, but um. But his first podcast, which he took a shot at me like 90 seconds into the podcast. I couldn't believe that he held off that long. But he interviewed Malik Williams, and there was a question he asked Malik about, um, you know, the, the progress of Aiden Gahan and Gabe Wisnitzer. And Malik Williams, I mean, you can listen to this for yourself. I, I'm not over <laughs> It was the least ringing endorsement of a teammate ever. His, his response to uh, the question about Gabe was to talk about how tough Hargrave Military Academy was. He's like, he's like he comes from a tough school. He's a really good kid. I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, I was like, this, is, I was like this is not good. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be fine, but it's I, just reading between the lines there, I think Gabe's taken some lumps here in his first, uh, his first few weeks of practice in college. Yeah, I mean, again, he, he's a... He's a freshman. Uh, we're not dogging on the kid. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping, and I'm, you know, uh, whatever, you know, he's gonna have a good career. But um, it, it's, it's kind of unfair to him if, for some reason, he is thrust into a significant role this year, um, you know, because of injuries or COVID or whatever. Let's keep up here. More questions coming. Um, D. Lloyd says, "Do you think the U of L women's team can win it all this year?" Of course. Uh, I mean, they are, what, preseason number four in the ESPN poll. They were preseason number five in the AP poll that came out uh, on Tuesday. They're the overwhelming preseason pick to win the ACC. They've got the reigning ACC player of the year in Dana Evans, who was a second-team All-American. She should be uh, a preseason first-team All-American. And I think women's basketball has kind of it, it's gotten away from the one. there's one dominant team every single year, and it would be a shock if they didn't win. It was UConn most years. It was Baylor a couple of times, even though we beat them in one of those years in 2013. I think South Carolina is the preseason number one, but they don't seem like they're going to be overwhelmingly dominant this year. UConn's up there at number three. So yeah, I mean, I think the women's basketball team absolutely can win a national title. It's not just Dana Evans. They've got um, a loaded freshman class. Brianna Smith and Haley Van Leith, I think, are both fantastic and are going to be stars right off the bat. So yeah, Jeff Wallace, he's loaded again. It should be another really, really fantastic year. Um Taterbot Casserole says, would you agree that if we ripped out all the chairback seats in Cardinal Stadium and replaced them with cold bleachers, that our football team would be incredible? Bleacher seating equals grit. Grit equals wins. Who says no? Dan, your thoughts? You're probably going to be shocked. I would absolutely love if we did that. I really would. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, the seats, when I think, like, I mean, college football should be bleacher seats. Like, I, I, I just like the, the Ohio talking. <laughs> like I'm a lunch pail guy. Pack pack your lunch pail. But no, I mean, I like when you go to some of these, you know, big time stadiums. A lot of them are bleacher seats, and I'm not saying the seats aren't nice and accommodating. I mean, I I enjoy when I you know sit in them, but. When I think of college football, I, I, I don't think of chairback seats. I think of bleachers. Um, so if it happened, I would be, you know, I, I think it would piss off a lot of people because they're so used to the chairbacks, but I would be all for it. Get rid of the vodka lounge at the Yum Center and turn it into <laughs> a gym. You got to run on the treadmill for five minutes before you can take a piss. Exactly Make the right. fans work for it. God, I'm getting so fucking old. Jesus. It's Ohio. This is, yeah. this is where you become classic Ohio. Can we talk about the fact that you and I both, uh, we are 100% in on this, that every Ohio dad looks the same? Oh, like, my God. I Yeah, and I, I kind of pointed out to you, and then, like, we went somewhere, um, and we were just walking around, and you're like, damn, all these guys are a little bit overweight. They're a little bit round. They definitely bench, like, 250 or above. You know, they wear tight clothing. That's 100% what an Ohio dad is. Yeah, very much like they're they're big guys, but not like in shape big. Like like I think that they all like they're all they all look like they should be three or four inches taller, right? Like they're like five foot ten, six foot, a little bit overweight, but just kind of like large, too tight of a shirt. They wear like the shorts that are both somehow long but also tight, like, and always sunglasses. Doesn't matter if it's you know thirty degrees and they're inside, they're wearing the sunglasses. Every Ohio dad looks exactly the same. 
they all probably coach youth football and encourage concussions. Like it just seems like every everywhere I went, I was like, that's yeah, there it is. That's Chet, the Ohio dad. He's a, the and the sunglasses are Oakley brand, hundred oh yeah. percent. Oh yeah, three different Oakleys all at the same time. Um, let's see here. Uh, Spooky season David says, are you adjusting your season record expectations? I don't remember if you've done this recently or not. I don't know if we're talking about football or basketball here, but the answer to both questions is <laughs> yes. yes. Um, That's a hard uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I would adjust my basketball expectations based on the injuries, and I would adjust uh, my football expectations based on the fact that I think we're already mathematically it's an impossibility for them to get to my preseason pick, which was eight and three. Um, and now, I mean, with all the, the injuries, I, I know Scott Satterfield talked to the media on Monday and said, you know, we haven't had any COVID this week, but still we're going to be shorthanded again. I think Monty Montgomery is going to play because he never tested positive for COVID-19. He just had the, the contact tracing uh, issues. So that'll be good to get him back, but still it's going to be, you're fighting an uphill climb these last few weeks of the season, even though the schedule is relatively easy. So the answer to both those questions is a resounding yes. Uh, do, we, Dave, do we do we only have two wins in football? We only have two wins in football. That but, is like why I mean, we're almost at Thanksgiving and like we only have two wins. But like any other season, you'd be like, oh, the sky is falling. But somehow I like don't feel that terrible about it. It's such a weird thing. Undefeated in the Atlantic Division, Dan. That's all that matters. Um, yep. Which will continue after this week because we're playing Virginia. So uh, there we go. Uh, let's see here. Davon says, who do you think will get more playing time between Gabe and Aiden? I think we've already pretty much hammered this out. I think it's going to be Aiden. If it's not, we got some issues. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing with Aiden. From the, from the, thing we, from the time we saw him last year, gosh, and he will have to make some, some drastic improvements um you know from his freshman to sophomore year I, i'm putting this nicely he doesn't look like a back to the basket kind of guy um yeah. he, he looks like someone that is if if it was me i would have him solely concentrate on blocking shots rebounding's putbacks um you know i think if if you get that from aiden um you know you i think we're right now getting the most we can but i think as far as uh his offensive repertoire it looks like he has a very long way to go. What's the biggest freshman to sophomore jump that we Russ missed the obvious example, but I can't think of another one. Like Donovan Mitchell got really good at the end of his sophomore year. He was first team all conference, but he struggled. I remember he got benched before that Indiana game in December. Like we haven't had a whole lot of out of nowhere guys just kind of average or just downright bad as a freshman and then good as a sophomore. I can't remember anything like that, but we need that to happen with one of these guys. If it was Aiden Nagehan, that would be uh, pretty awesome. Um, let's see here. Smith says, what does Dan think of his meteoric rise as the voice of Cardination? <laughs> Jeez. This guy needs to get out more. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I'm flattered by the question, but I think we all know the, the reason people are tuning in um, is because of uh, your stature here, but it's, it's nice to add you know, kind of dumb bits and pieces for people to chew on, I guess. I like that you answered that seriously. That was a, I was expecting <laughs> a joke answer, but you handled that well. Uh, Gil Bolberg says, and I'm assuming this is to me, if you don't get a job writing about college hoops this season, will you go back to law school or get a nine to five? Um, well, the good thing is I still get, I, I get paid to do card chronicles. So that's a, that's the job right now. The bad news is I had three jobs a year ago and now I've got one. Uh, but I do have some other side hustles that I'm getting supplemental income for, which is cool. And I think a couple of other announcements that are going to be uh, exciting, at least for me, coming up in the next couple of months, hopefully. Uh, but I will never go back to law school. Let me let me put that I'll put that out there. If I wind up going back on that, you can use this um, line forever, like Lindsey Graham. Throw it in my face if you want. I will never go back to law school. I don't care what happens. That's an absolute last resort. Not going to happen. And I prefer not to get a nine to five either, but uh, I will milk this for as long as I can. But for right now, all's, all's good. Could be better, but all's good. I uh, think I would do better in med school than I would law school. And that's coming from someone who would probably fail out in a week to both of those. But law school just sounds absolutely miserable to me. I mean, Dan, I don't think you could pass seventh grade biology right now. I don't, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I shudder <laughs> how you would handle med school. God, just 
I wish I could just do like a test run for like two weeks, like just an experiment to see just how bad it would be if I got thrust into either of those situations. I mean, law school, I mean, med, I'm sure med school is the exact same way for people who are, you know, more that brain. But law school was it was the first time in education for me that was kind of humbling where there were people who were like, I was like, man, they can cut corners and they can do it. I cannot. And uh, it didn't go well for me. <laughs> law school. Did, did you get like called out in class? Like, did they just call on people? Because like, that's those are like my worst nightmare scenarios when I'm just sitting there and, you know, I'm getting a lecture and you know, they call on you for an answer. If, if that happens in, in law school, I, I wouldn't even show up to the first day, to be honest. They do do the, um, the the Socratic method, which is if you've ever seen Legally Blonde, it's exactly like Legally Blonde, where uh, <laughs> on any given day, like one or two people get called out for the, um, the case that you were supposed to have read or the cases you were supposed to have read and briefed, and they just get grilled for the, the rest of class. Now, some of the some of the instructors, some of the professors would um, let you know the day before that they were going to call on you, which was awesome because then you could you know, read the case and be adequately prepared. But most of the time it was just a shock. And if you were one of the people who got called on the first or second day, like, God help you, like nobody forgot it. Like everybody remembered that forever. It was it was bad. But I still I still get panicked just thinking about it. It was yeah, it was terrible. Not fun at all. Um, let's see here. Uh, Stephen Apple says, modern reporter, Mike, if you could talk about what you bring to the table in terms of just being the quarterback of this podcast, just talk a little <laughs> bit about what that's like. Um, I love to talk about questions. Uh, you know, it's not just me. Uh, we, we've got Keith and Danny here do a great job. Um, I may be the guy who's handling the ball the most, but it's got to go somewhere else if you're going to have success as a, as a unit. And certainly they've been able to advance this podcast uh, as the, uh, you know, the running backs and the wide receivers and the offensive line and uh, and hopefully we can just keep progressing down the field and, and put as many points up on the scoreboard as as we'd like to. And uh, when all's said and done, when the dust settles, I, I think we're going to come out on top. Wow, what a fucking answer that was. So it's funny, like when I started doing this podcast with you, obviously I still don't know what I'm doing, but I really didn't know what I was doing at, at, at the you know the first couple episodes. And sometimes I would just ramble on with my answer, and it's so funny. I could just like. As soon as I started rambling, it's almost like I could feel you turning the wheel back, like to the middle um, <laughs> of where the question was supposed to go. I was like, "God damn it, I'm rambling too much." But um, yeah, no, you do a great job. Uh, let's see. Tweet what he sees. Says, "Will Jordan get drafted?" Yeah, um, I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, he's getting. I I tell you what has helped Jordan Wara more than anything over the last few months is. Everybody watching how Duncan Robinson was used in the playoffs and how effective he was, because I think that the NBA is prioritizing knockdown spot up shooters from the outside more now than they were you know, five, 10 years ago. And that's what Jordan War is. If you saw the numbers from the NBA draft combine, he had 82 of the 100 threes in the shooting drills, which led everybody there. Um, there's a video that has been, I won't say viral, but it's been going around the last couple of days of him working out and hitting 34 straight threes without missing one. Um, I mean, he is the, I think, best catch-and-shoot guy available in this draft. I'm not saying he's going to be a first-round pick, but it seems like everybody has him kind of in that 35 to 50 range there in the second round. So he's definitely going to get drafted. It's just a matter of finding the right situation for him. Yeah, and his game is so much better suited for the NBA than it was as far as his role in college. Like you said, A, he's a knockdown shooter. B, he has a quick release. C, he can get off his shots. Not He doesn't have to be like perfectly squared to the basket. Like He can sometimes yeah. get off shots from like different angles, and he's still deadly. Um, and at Louisville, there was just so much pressure on him. You know, I mean, teams knew the scattering report. They were going to get up and crowd him, and um, he was going to be someone that had to, you know, towards the latter part of his career, find other ways to score, create off the dribble. Um, and and in the NBA, he's not going to be he he's not going to be expected to do that. You know, you're kind of um, like you said, like a dunk, Duncan Robinson. They'll they'll probably run him off screens and try to get him open shots. So uh, I I will have to admit uh, when he first came out and said he was going pro, not that I didn't think he would be drafted. I just wasn't a hundred percent sure the buzz he was going to get. I thought maybe there would be a chance that he he fell out of you know the second round and not get drafted at all. But but credit to him, he's he's obviously showed up in these you know draft combine drills and he's getting a ton of buzz. So 
it sounds like he's he's doing well for his draft stock. So I'm I'm excited to see where he lands on the next level. Yeah, I think he's going to be a guy who carves a niche for himself and kind of hangs around the league for I mean a decade. And you're talking about him you know, ten years from now. Like Jordan War is still making good shots. Never uh, a star. Never a guy who's playing big time minutes, but who just he is so good at what he does that he's able to always be wanted by somebody. And I think, I mean, look, that's, that's not a bad life to have. You play 10 years in the NBA, you're going to be set for life. And, you know, generations of wars are going to be set for life. So uh, hopefully he can make that happen. Uh, last question here before we move on. Eric says, uh, who replaces Greg Marshall at Wichita State? Why is it Brad Stevens? Look, <laughs> Brad Stevens, I, you laugh. It'd be a home run hire, Dan. It would create waves across the college basketball landscape. Uh, if you haven't seen the news, by the way, uh, I think Jeff Goodman and a couple other people are reporting that Wichita State is expected to part ways with Greg Marshall after I mean, numerous reports of, of player abuse and just uh, classic Greg Marshall behavior. I did love, before I answer this question seriously, I loved this morning seeing the reports that Thad Mata was going to be the, the likely interim coach, uh, and then quickly those reports were dispelled. I don't know how well this is known, but I know that Mark Titus kind of dropped it on one of his pods. Like, Thad Mata's deal with uh, Ohio State, he keeps getting his, you know, he basically gets paid his uh, his severance as long as he's actively looking for jobs. And so Titus was like, I've talked to Thad, and he's like, he doesn't want to coach anymore, but he wants to keep getting paid. So he's like, watch this. Every single year, his name will pop up as a candidate because he'll float himself as a job to make it look like he's actively still looking for work. And then he'll turn the, down the job. Like, that's what's happening here. Like, like Thad Mata's like, yeah, maybe I'm interested. And then you know, five minutes later after it gets reported, like, no, I'm not going to Wichita State. I'm like, God, what a I? what a clause. And that's like a he's like the Bobby Bonilla of college basketball. Yeah. Like, what? what an absolute awesome clause in your contract. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, obviously, when that report came out, the writing was on the wall for for Marshall. Um, I have no idea. I mean, with this short notice in the season if they're going to just find someone to kind of hold the spot for a year and then maybe look in the off season. Um, you know, I have no idea, but I can't imagine they're going to get too big of a name um, to come to Wichita. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm honestly, I know you said the writing was kind of on the wall. I'm, I'm surprised that they chose to part ways with, with Greg Marshall just because, and look, I think I've even mentioned it on this pod before. It's the worst kept secret in college basketball that the Koch brothers were giving him a shit ton of money to stay in Wichita State. They do the same thing with Kansas. They do the same thing with a number of programs that they have uh, money invested in. And that's why you saw Greg Marshall turn down a number of power conference jobs to stay at Wichita State over the years is because on top of his base salary, he was getting a shitload of supplemental income. And I thought because of that investment that they would, you know, stick with him for you know he'd have nine lives in Wichita and it turns out he doesn't um as far as who they wind up hiring I, I think that I'm with you I think that they're going to wind up staying in house for this season just because we're so close to it getting started um Isaac Brown I think is probably the assistant coach who's going to get promoted there but they'll I, I think they could land a decent name because they do have that um I, you know more money to throw around than a lot of programs cut from their same cloth after the season's over it will be interesting to see. I think it'll get revved up, especially if they overachieve in the the MAC this year. People are going to start talking about Rick Pitino jumping, and I know that he did a big interview this week where he was saying, "I'm ready to end my career here, and, and I'm ready to stay here, and all this stuff." His name is going to get tossed around for some of these big openings that happen over the next two or three years, especially with programs like Wichita State that aren't, you know, historic powerhouses, and they're just trying to keep their momentum going. He'd be a great stopgap uh, hire for them. I don't know if it'll happen, um, but uh, get ready for that conversation to be had once the season ends. Yeah, I, and I, I would be surprised if at this point in his career, but it's Rick. You never know. But I, I you know, I, I think he's he's happy where he's at in New York. Um, I guess it kind of depends on the success that he has there. Um, I do think he'll be successful, but I, I don't know. I, I, I just think where he's at I think he he's kind of at peace with with what's going on but another name has Kansas ties coached in the ACC last year um, <laughs> just throwing it out there I he's kind of you know I, I know things hadn't gone his way the past couple of years but our guy Danny Manning hey I'm, I'm just throwing it out there oh my god okay <laughs> Is Manning going to do this? Show? I don't even know if he's got picked up anywhere, but as like an assistant. But my God, what an absolute catastrophe! I do uh, need to check on my guy, Danny. See where he's at. 
I bet he's like an NBA consultant, and I, I have not looked that up, but that'd be my guess right now. All right, you, we called you out last week for punting on Dan of the Dumps for the last like 17 times. Do you have a Dan of the Dump story for this week? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty random, but oh. like, so yesterday, uh, being a nice day, um, you know, I went on a nice run. My, my why well, I do that, my son, he rides his bike um, next to me, and he kind of got far out ahead of me and, and crossed the street, you know, without me. And I kind of had to chastise him a little bit. And I was like, buddy, you can't cross the street. You don't know what these drivers are going to be like, um, you know. And he's like, I look both ways and blah, blah, blah. But uh, it kind of reminded him. He, he's like, have you ever uh, seen anyone get hit by a car? And I was like, no. But then, like, I thought I was like, actually, yes. And I didn't tell him this. Um, I actually hit someone with my car uh, when I, I, it was uh, one summer uh, in college. I, I came home and it was just a normal night. I was going to pick up my buddy Rodney Vallejo and we were going to play poker um, at somebody's house. And he lived in Plainview at the time. And um, I remember I was I was jamming out. to It was either Dave Matthews or Coldplay, some sort of white boy CD. And. Next thing you know, I roll, I roll up to a stop sign and I look one way. I didn't come to a complete stop and just kind of skirt on through. And this guy just disappears underneath my hood. And I absolutely panicked. I got out and this guy, it's like he's grabbing his knee and he's like, ah, and I was like, I was like, oh, my God, sorry. I, I am so sorry. I was like, are you all right? And. He's like, my knee, man, my knee. And next thing you know, these walkers in the neighborhood who were just out for a walk, they come over. They're like, we saw the whole thing. I was like, ma'am, I, you know, I, I, I understand. I'm trying to see if this guy's all right. And he was like, man, do you live in this neighborhood? I was like, I was like, no, I don't. And he's like, where do you live? I was like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, he's like, man, you got to slow down. And I was like, I'm sorry about that. He's like, all right, go ahead and get out of here. And I was like, I was like, are you sure? He's like, yeah. So of course, like I get back in my car and the guy, Rodney, my friend who I'm picking up literally lived one house over. (laughs) So I pulled into his driveway, like one house over from where I hit this guy. And at this time, now there's like a whole neighborhood of people gathering in the street. And I call my buddy Rodney. I'm like, hurry up and get outside. He's like, I'm brushing my teeth. I'll be out in five. I was like, get outside now. And I like look out my mirror and there's like, you know, 20 people like pointing at my car as I'm like sitting in the driveway, just waiting for, you know, the longest time for my friend to come out of his house. And he's like absolutely oblivious to what's going on. And then finally he gets in and I literally, you know, obviously go the other way. I was like, you won't believe what just happened. I was like, I just ran over some guy. And he's like, they oh, my God. God. <laughs> but, yeah, so I'm giving my son these life lessons. But, really, I'm probably the one who, you know, uh, is, is a bad example to be giving these to my kids. I will say, when we pulled uh, onto your street on Friday night in Columbus, it was uh, not, not pitch black, but it was kind of getting dusk. It was, like, getting close to 6 o'clock. And like we see a kid just fly out in the street from his from his driveway, and Mary's like, "Oh my goodness!" And I was like, "I'm pretty sure that was Cam, like like, <laughs> like your son." I was like, "Yep." And then we get closer. I'm like, "Yep, that was Cam, just just flying out into the street." I was like, oh. "Classic Sonard." Yeah, he's a big bike rider for sure. Big bike rider, just having a good time, uh, just just being wild, man. He is as like we talked about his athletic prowess. I did enjoy. We went to this like little kind of outdoor place with the soccer field um on saturday and some kid tried to play him like one-on-one in soccer and i watched him just fucking embarrass this kid for a solid 15 minutes it was glorious like he's uh he's the real deal not like dan yeah definitely not like me well he's got his mom's jeans all right uh well we have two new reviews on, on the podcast front again if you haven't subscribed to the pod Please do so wherever you find your podcast and give us a, a five-star rating if you can and write a review if you can. It really helps us out. Um, but we'll read it, two of the, the reviews. They're both very, very nice. We'll read this one from Freeverse33 who says, uh, most podcasts are radio alternatives. In contrast, the CC podcast is the audio version of what the blog and Twitter account has become over the years. Full of Louisville nuance, it's sports-centric but manages to bring these unique local insights to everything they discuss from a porch perspective 
Even with highbrow analytics from Keith Wynn, they still are very relatable from a fan's point of view. The random Dan in the dump stories and superstitious charm of the banter gives you a feel of not only UofL sports, but of genuine UofL fans. The bonus, it sounds great at .5 speed in drunk mode. Keep it up, y'all. Do you ever listen to podcasts on uh, alternate speeds? I haven't. I mean, I've seen, I've, I've seen people do it. Some people recommend it, but no, I've never done it. I always, almost always listen to it at one and a half speed just to try to get through stuff faster. But if you do listen to anything at 0.5 speed, it sounds like just the hosts are just pissed drunk. And it's pretty funny for like two minutes. And then it gets a little bit annoying. But please don't listen to this pod at 0.5 speed. I'm sure it's terrible. Although I do talk too fast sometimes, so maybe you need to slow it down. Uh, all right. We, we got one more pod coming up this week. We're going to preview the Virginia game with Keith later this week. And then Dan and I will be back tomorrow to review whatever happens this weekend and answer more ridiculous questions. So uh, until we talk to you guys again, thanks so much for listening and go cards. Go cards.